0: Hello, I am very excited to welcome you to episode five of the Prez Paul podcast. This is a place for us to engage and hear honest and curious dialogue about Nazareth College and the people at the heart of who we are. And through this podcast, I invite you to join in, open your mind to new ideas and enjoy the beauty and wonders of the Nazareth College learning community. Today, we're very excited to focus on our programs in Health and Human Services, and the students and faculty who are making an impact in our Rochester community every day, and especially important in recent times. Nazareth is just full of opportunities for our students to learn through real world collaboration and action. And at any time, Nazareth students can be found throughout the Rochester community, collaborating for the greater good of our community. Well, then, The pandemic turned our daily lives upside down. So our faculty and community partners immediately innovated ways to keep our community-engaged learning collaborations going strong. Nazareth's commitment to community is quite simply unstoppable. One of our significant areas of collaboration is our health and human services programs, so today I've invited some students and faculty to join me in reflecting on Nazareth's vital role in our community and our world and how we've opened new opportunities in the face of unprecedented social challenges. So welcome to our guest for today. Dr. Lisa Hiley is an assistant professor in the Communication Sciences and Disorders Department teaching classes on language and phonological development and disorders. She also oversees the Developing Child and Families minor that interprofessionally engages students interested in working with young children and families. Dr. Heather Coles is a clinical assistant professor at Nazareth in the Communication Sciences and Disorders Department. She directs the Neurogenic Communication and Cognition Clinic, which serves more than 100 individuals from the community who present with challenges in communication due to neurological events. Graduate student Sophie DiCarlo received her undergraduate degree in Communication Science and Disorders at the University of Pittsburgh and is currently in her second year of Nazareth Speech-Language Pathology graduate program. Sophie first began teletherapy through Nazareth's Neurogenic Communication and Cognition Clinic and is now doing a combination of in-person and virtual therapy in a school setting. Dr. Mary Therese Novak graduated from Russell Sage College with a bachelor's in physical therapy, received an MBA in health systems administration from Union College and a doctorate of physical therapy from Utica College. She has worked at Nazareth for more than 20 years, starting in 1998 as an adjunct and transitioning to full-time director of clinical education and a clinical assistant professor in 2016. She began the community wellness clinics in 2007. And finally, we have grad student, Michaela Cardone. She is a grad student in Nazareth's occupational therapy program. She recently completed her level two fieldwork experiences in the Western New York area where she provided services to acute care patients in the hospital setting as well as children in the school-based setting via teletherapy services. Wow, what an honor to have all of you with me here today. This is going to be a very exciting conversation. I really appreciate it. So to begin this conversation, I would ask each of you to reflect on how the pandemic and other major challenges of our time have affected our commitment to community collaboration at Nazareth.
1: Lisa, shall we start with you? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I think one of the pieces I reflected on um, in preparing for this is that I think partnerships remain strong and they remain aligned. Uh, I think the partnerships that existed with a shared purpose and shared efforts are persisting um, and in some cases thriving. Um, COVID, I think, has really forced us to think about our innovation, our collaborative agility, um, and really how we are reprioritizing our efforts for the reasons that we come together. Um, I think in in all of the cases I have experienced in in collaboration and collective impact, it's really demanded us um, to reprioritize and center our efforts. Um, I think I I have also thought more about this summer and what Black Lives Matter brought to our mm. um, communities here locally and then across the country in response to violence and really feel like that punctuated some of the additional um, community work in the sense that we really needed to also prioritize and bring to the forefront the importance of promoting racial equity. So I feel really fortunate and thankful that many of the groups I have engaged with have really um, come together to think about uh, the anti-racist statements that we should guide that should guide our work um, now and really into the future. I couldn't agree
0: more. I I, that's very, very powerful. You know, it's, it's, um, we keep on saying it's unprecedented on top of unprecedented on top of unprecedented, but of course our racial inequality uh, has been around for way, way, way too long. And it intersects with everything we're dealing with right now. So I appreciate your addressing that.
2: Let's hear some other perspectives. Heather, how about you? Well, I think one of the things I was thinking about was how rich our community is at Nazareth and how we have really full participation from our clients, our faculty, our students. And when the pandemic hit, it was amazing to me how everybody put their heads together and very quickly we transitioned to delivering teletherapy. And none of us had done it before and none of us really knew what we were doing. And in the process, we talked to clients, they gave us ideas, we talked to students, they gave us ideas. Um, And then the faculty, everybody had their own input. And as a community, I really feel like everyone felt empowered. And in fact, we've seen some very positive shifts that we never would have seen had COVID occurred. So I agree with Lisa, in terms of the innovation and creativity, I now feel like we can reach people that had transportation issues. When we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, we have in the past tried to reach out to communities who are underserved and how do we get them as clients to our clinic? Well, now we can use our computer and they're able to participate too. So I think it really enriched our opportunities to not only sustain our community, but also grow it in very different ways. We had a client who participated in an international experience, um, somebody with communication problems that never would have happened. Mm-hmm. And We have had groups now online, our support groups are online. So again, transportation isn't a factor and everyone has participated. We moved two adjunct faculty, moved Parkinson's um, groups for um, individuals with Parkinson's disease to online and they're thriving and the attendance is better than ever. So I really think that at Nazareth, the emphasis on community has really provided us the opportunity to come together and we see community and so many different ways and and just the empowerment of students and clients to feel really engaged in the process has been very exciting to watch.
0: It is so, it's amazing. I feel this sense of energy and the word I keep on using is ingenuity. I feel it throughout the community. It is such an amazing strength of this college and you just expressed it so beautifully. How about you, Mary-Treece Novak? How about you from your perspective?
3: Well, thank you so much, um, President Paul, for inviting me to this podcast. You know, uh, I think both Heather and Lisa really nailed, nailed it on the head, so I don't have, you know, a whole lot more to add. But I would have to say that, you know, historically, our wellness clinics have always run in person and we've always run them throughout the community. And uh, when the pandemic hit over the summer, you know, a sense of panic struck as to how I was going to coordinate 10 groups Uh, virtually when I had never done that before. Um, But thankfully, um, we talk about collaboration within HHS. And I have to say, Heather Coles was the first person to really help me with this because she had had some experience with telehealth. So with her assistance and collaboration with other um, people in HHS, uh, we were able to put it together and still run Not as many groups as we usually run in person, but we we were able um, to run seven groups virtually, and um, going into it, everyone was skeptical as to how we'd be able to pull it off, and um, when we did a debriefing session with students and clients, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, Everyone felt that it went way better than we had expected, and everyone learned so much from the experience. you know, it was a, a little bit unsettling going into it. Uh, we had to step out of our comfort zones, uh, but we went for it and we really made it work. And so we're going to be running them virtually again this spring.
0: I love it. I love the courage and I love the teamwork. That, that's really excellent. So we've heard from our three incredibly innovative and, and uh, courageous faculty. Let's hear from Sophie and Michaela about the experience that you've had. Wow, this has been A learning experience on top of a learning experience. Sophie,
4: how about you? Yeah, so I mean when the pandemic first hit everyone's first thought was you know how how are all of these things still going to happen, right? I knew that I would be in the NC3 clinic in the summer but once everything went virtual we were just unsure of what what could still happen and who would still want it to happen? You know, the NC3 clinic is very beloved by the Nazareth community, both the students um, and the clients that we serve. And they have a, had a really good thing going, you know, being in WRI, we would see people getting their clients and going to therapy rooms. And it's kind of something we all looked forward to. And the clients love the interaction that they have with the whole community in the building themselves. So I was worried that, you know, maybe they wouldn't want to participate in this new online setting. It's, it was overwhelming for them just as much as it was for us, but I was really amazed at how devoted our clients were to both themselves and also us. They really, um, They don't even understand how much they help us as students and they would do it just for us you know even if it didn't benefit them they really are so selfless um and i think that everyone was just really craving that human interaction during that time you know Mm -hmm. it was a really isolating period and not being able to see each other in person was hard but um we still made it work and getting to see new faces and familiar faces. um, We could still build relationships that I, I didn't think was possible. Um, So I was really grateful for that. Yeah. It's it went way better than could have expected. And now we can really see that this is going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a good thing.
0: That's, that's great. I, I love
5: it. It's very, very powerful. Michaela, how about you? Yes, thank you for having me today, President Paul. Sure. Um, so I agree with what Sophie just discussed, um, and I believe that the pandemic has pushed us to collaborate even more so than we have before. Um, to make these new adaptations and modifications within our community, it was and still is essential to work together. Um, I think the Nazareth community has done a an amazing job um, at working together to provide these very meaningful programs to not only clients in the community but the professors and the students
0: yeah it's extraordinary it, it I'm I, I know I keep saying this but I just keep on being awed over and over and again again by by um, by what we've been doing so Lisa let's dive into your work a little bit more. Uh, Obviously, really significant challenges in the last several months in reaching young children because of the closing of many early childhood facilities and what a risk factor that leaves our children and families with it's been a great concern of mine. Can you tell us how you work with community partners, how you've pivoted and provided developmental screenings in the telehealth context to continue access to screenings that monitor children's development.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I think I want to start with the we is really big, right? Um, the we is us at Nazareth um, in CSD and OT, PT, social work, music therapy, um, but our community partners are vast. Children's Institute is a primary partner. We are partnering with the University of Rochester, with child care centers that, like I said, the we is very big. So, um But the purpose was there and I think the reality is is prior to COVID, what we did was 100% in person we went to where kids were. Um, So there, there was no choice that we needed to change and to your point we needed to think about continuing to reach the young children and the families in our community so um, we, we very quickly. Focused our energy on how we would continue to do that. And we knew that the telecontext was going to be the way to do that. Absolutely. Um, we also knew that we needed to negotiate things like copyright laws. We were using standardized measures that couldn't be used in a
4: telecontext.
1: Mm. Um, I never thought of that. That's yeah. such a great point. Wow. Yeah, very specific instrumentation to measure vision and hearing. And, you know, mm. despite the amazement of technology, you still have to put a probe in a child's ear to test their hearing. You can't just. Right. Do- the audio on your computer. Um, so our referral process was different. We were going to kids. We needed to change that. So it's been really exciting to see that we are offering virtual screenings to kids. Um, we're still going to them, but that means we go to them over the computer and they're at their homes. Um, and in, in many cases, they're also at their primary care or pediatric offices. So this has really given us the opportunity to partner more with the medical community. Mm-hmm. Um, we know pediatricians are monitoring and, and and doing surveillance on kids development, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they still have questions. So we've been able to partner with them um, to monitor development. And mm-hmm. also one of the big pieces that we think about is um, navigation. So we don't, we don't mm-hmm. just identify concerns, but we identify how we can support um, families negotiating and navigating what are really complex systems and systems that are even more complex in this particular time. So, right one of the things I think we were uniquely able to bring to that sort of navigation and the support of children's development is an interprofessional wellness. Exactly, I was just gonna mention that. Yep, I agree. Um, OTPT music therapy um, have offered uh, what we call e-play groups which are music movement literature um, for kids and families and they have been a lens into homes they've been a lens into families lives um, and a really awesome way for our students to think about how do we really come together um, and celebrate what we can each bring to the table. That's such
0: a powerful example. And I was thinking the exact same thing as you were uh, describing the work. You know, our distinctive strength in interprofessional education in many ways provided us with the the capacity to pivot as we have. You know, without that, we wouldn't have had as much ingenuity or opportunity to uh, discover new ways of connecting and new ways of delivering as we have. So kudos to you. I, I think that's a
1: really powerful part of yeah. our... Um, I think I, would, I think I would add it's exciting to, to highlight that because, you know, you can go to people like Heather or MT or Lisa Sykes or Liz Hebert and Michelle Donahue and you don't have to convince them like they're, <laughs> actually, they're willing to lean right. in, um, you know, they're willing to engage interprofessionally and figure out how we can work together to serve a variety of client. Puppy. Yeah, that's really
0: powerful. So I'm going to turn to you, Michaela. I have been so inspired by the work that you did with Professor Lisa Sykes to form a COVID long haulers group. Can you tell us about that? Tell us about what long haulers are and then tell us about how you're helping recruit people for the group. What kinds of participants are you looking for and, and what are you doing?
5: Yes. So um, I brought this idea to my OT professor, Lisa Sykes. Um, When I was completing one of my clinical placements, Dr. Sykes had reached out to the OT graduate um, students regarding wellness group ideas. Um, At the time, I had asked my clinical supervisor about this topic, and he suggested a wellness group for COVID-19 long haulers. Um, This program will be run virtually to best accommodate current regulations and needs of this targeted population. Um, So a long hauler is often defined as an individual who is experiencing lingering symptoms of COVID-19. Some of these individuals were hospitalized for weeks or months while others were not hospitalized at all. Um, These individuals have experienced a variety of symptoms including cognitive and physical symptoms. So we are actively recruiting at this point for our group. Um, We have created a flyer that we have shared with healthcare providers within upstate New York and other areas. Um, We are looking for individuals who are experiencing lasting symptoms that have led to functional limitations or a decrease in the ability to participate in daily occupations. Um, And through this program, our overall goal is to improve overall wellness and quality of life of the participants.
0: Well, it's just, it's really an inspiring example of the proactive leadership that we provide with community. I'm really very moved by that. And, you know, sadly, we have a lot of need for a group like this. And so for us to be walking into this and providing that kind of uh, support is really very important. So I, I thank you very much for that work. So I wonder, Mary Therese, could you talk a little bit more about how PT and OT are uh, working together for this group? Talk about the the wellness groups that you ran virtually this fall, um, the work you're doing in that area.
3: Yeah, uh, sure. So, so as I said, the the wellness clinics, um, you know, sort of became um, uh, a yearly and semester thing um, in two thousand seven. Um, And over the years, they were mostly PT, but then gradually we started incorporating music therapy and then occupational therapy. And then this coming semester, uh, speech language pathology uh, as well. Uh, So every spring, the occupational therapy students are back on campus. So that's the one semester they are available to collaborate with us. So um, we have incorporated occupational therapy into whatever groups work with their schedules. Um, So this past fall, the occupational therapy students were not available, but we did continue to collaborate with our music therapy students and did a virtual um, music therapy, physical therapy, co-treat group for clients with Parkinson's disease. And that went over very well and was uh, very positive uh, from both clients and students. And then for the spring semester, uh, Dr. Lisa Sykes and I were collaborating in the fall about what students would be available for the spring. And uh, that's when she mentioned Michaela's idea. So sort of the three of us have been working together to get that group up and running Uh, But in addition to that, we are also going to have an occupational uh, therapy student um, join uh, one of our life prep groups, and um, also we will be continuing with the collaboration with music therapy uh, this spring as well. So uh, those two will continue, and then new this spring will be our e-play group, which will include uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and uh, a CSD student as well. So so lots of collaboration and uh, lots of exciting opportunities and possibilities uh, for our students to work interprofessionally, which is what we're mm-hmm. trying to teach them. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's put to practice while they're in school. They don't have to wait till they graduate to be able to do interprofessional collaboration and treatment.
0: It's, it's incredible. It's It's such a distinctive offering. I'm just it's incredible. And you know I had so much fun one day in the fall, Heather, uh, you know, getting a, a, a very detailed tour of all that we offer in our York Rehabilitation Center. Uh, I was so moved by, by what I observed. And you all were very um, helpful in helping me to see upfront and, and really personally, the meaning of the programs that we have offered. Um, to our community. And I know it's been really hard uh, through the pandemic to figure out how to keep that going. But I saw so powerfully how, you know, people are relying on those programs and your commitment is just so inspiring. So tell me a little bit about how you're keeping those services going, especially the, the uh, group for adults or the work with adults with strokes. Um, it's been really successful, I understand.
2: So first of all, I want to say that it's so fun doing this and hearing from everybody the work that they're doing. I think we are so fortunate and very unique as I talk with other colleagues in the Northeast primarily but certainly across the country in terms of the interprofessional work that we do and so that, you know, I think Nazareth is a place where students can come with ideas like Michaela's brilliant Mm -hmm and then is embraced by, you know, uh, Mary-Therese and and Lisa Sykes. And I really do think that speaks to the culture at Nazareth and that is why we've been able to continue providing these services. Without the ingenuity of the students and other colleagues, we would have been stalled. Oh, Um, I so
0: agree. And I know that you've also been a resource to other institutions too, uh, you know, really leading them and thinking through how they can continue. So uh, it's vitally important service.
2: I think also it's really I think one way that we've been able to provide some leadership in this area is being very patient with ourselves and saying that mistakes are going to happen. And I also think that's such a valuable lesson for students. We are not all knowing as families. and to jump into things with two feet. We had no idea. Um, Last spring, we had no idea what we were doing and we were we contacted clients and they said, okay, we're game and we all worked through it together and and you know one example is Sophie has um, was working with a client who we were seeing at his office and he was having trouble with his iPad audio. He also had his desktop computer and his phone and she would call him and we'd all be on the zoom and she would call him and the audio was coming through you know, their phone to Sophie, to us, Wow! you know, (laughs) and we made it work. And Sophie, I shouldn't say we, Sophie really made it work. And, And so I think the idea that we can get through something together also really helps people to know that mistakes are actually very valuable because we, it helps us to grow and we learn so many things through that. So I love that. Yeah, I credit really everybody for making it such a success. And I think that was a relief to other institutions when we said, look, we we put together what we could and then we jumped in and we navigated it as we went and it ended up being very successful. So
0: again, I call out your courage. It, it takes a lot of courage, but I also know that it's your deep sense of purpose that drives you in, in doing it. And it's it's really inspiring. So Sophie, I turn to you. Um, you're a second-year grad student in speech-language pathology, and I'd love to hear about your experience with telehealth in our neurogenic communication and cognition clinic. Tell us
4: about what you've been doing, how you've pivoted. Absolutely. Um, so as Heather was saying, it was certainly a learning curve for all of us transferring to the online platform. Um you know, it was brand new for the students, the faculty and the clients too. Like she mentioned, you know, a lot of these clients have pretty severe language impairments. And when you think of the steps you have to follow just to get on Zoom, it's really challenging. And it can be really hard to start a session with that kind of frustration. So that was, you know, like a task in and of itself. It was, you know, working through how to do some of these things so that we can get on this platform and we can be together Um, but you know once we got the hang of it we were really up and running and i think one of the amazing parts of teletherapy at least that i got to see during my time in nc3 was the ability that we had to give the clients who wanted it more intensive treatment Um, so Clients that you know we would normally only be able to see twice a week due to the availability of the students and the supervisors and the therapy rooms on campus. I was seeing one client four times a week, and that just wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened before. Right. And there were some who really, really wanted it. And it's because we could hop on Zoom, you know, at any point, they're at work, I'm at home. We're not really doing much else. So, you know, we were all happy to give clients more sessions if they wanted that. And I think that that was one of the huge reasons that we had really successful outcomes um, this past summer and are continuing to have through the fall and spring semester. So, that's been definitely one of the highlights of teletherapy that I think people. are seeing more of. So although there were challenges initially, um, it definitely holds a lot of benefits, both with the outcomes that we're seeing and just accessibility overall, mm-hmm. You know, reaching a much wider population of people.
0: Absolutely, that's really incredible. You know, to, to uh, bring our, our conversation to a conclusion, I, I have to say I could continue having this conversation for probably many more hours. I'm loving learning about our work. Um, you know, it's easy sometimes to feel the negative and to feel how overwhelming it is with all of the challenges that are in our midst. And it's easy sometimes to think about all of the things that we want to just get rid of from this time. But we have expanded our toolbox. We have learned new things. We have expanded ourselves and our capacity for the work that we're doing. And I certainly hear it in all of you. And you know Michaela and Sophie to have had this learning experience is extraordinary and to be part of a program that is unstoppable in terms of our you know of having an impact in real ways while you are a student that is so powerful so i'd love for each of you to reflect really quickly what what is something you're going to take forward from this who would like to go first
2: I can go first I think just in a phrase anything is possible you know just the obstacles are not obstacles really anything is possible I love that
4: yeah I was going to say flexibility for sure you know be adaptable anything that you can do in person you can do online if we can make it through this pandemic
3: we we can make it through just about anything
4: <laughs> here here thank you
3: and I think like Heather said, obstacles should be looked at as opportunities mm. and you know, not being afraid to think out of the box and try something new and not be afraid of making a few mistakes along the way.
1: So true. I think I will add um, community and just recognizing um, the voice of many and defining how we are flexible and how we are finding opportunities and defining our work. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
5: I agree. Um, Flexibility is a huge thing. Working together as a team, um, all of everything that everyone has said so far, we can, using those, we can get through anything.
0: Thank you so much. This has been just incredible. And I, I thank each of you and I also thank our community partners. We have a wealth of community partners that have not missed a beat with us and have been very open to the kinds of courage and and ingenuity that our faculty and staff and students have been leading. And I'm very grateful to our community partners as well. So thank you to each of you for joining me today. This has been such an inspiring conversation. This is just sav for our souls. I know, you know, learning about this work and the ways in which our mission continues so strong, it's just it's really moving to me, so thank you. I am so honored to spend this time with you and to be part of this community with you. And I thank our listeners for joining us in exploring the wonders of the Nazareth College community. Hopefully you can see from these podcasts, it really is a wonderful place. I hope you'll join me for the next pres paul podcast when we'll continue this conversation about the incredible work that's happening in our school of health and human services and as i mentioned at the top of the podcast we have an array of programs in the school and interprofessional practice and development is a major part of the learning experience and the work in that school so you heard in this podcast examples about the ways in which communication sciences and disorders, creative arts therapy, OT and PT work together. Next time we're going to focus on our programs in nursing, public health and social work. And I know it will be just as inspiring a conversation. I hope you'll join me next time on the Prez Paul podcast.